Well, a couple weeks ago, during the first of September, we started a, a series out of the book of Nehemiah called Can Do. And uh, Can Do are can-do people are the kind of ultimate self-starters, at least that's what I think. They're the get-it-done-no-matter-what types folks. You always need a few of them on your team, no matter what you're doing. And uh, when I think about biblical characters, uh, uh, people in the Bible who kind of represent that, uh, Nehemiah is a person who always comes to mind. Um, as, a, as a church staff, over the past few years, we've, we've done a lot of work with what's called the Enneagram, and some of you may be familiar with that. It's actually kind of been a buzzy thing, at least before the pandemic. Not sure what is the buzzy thing now. Um, but they're different numbers. And so can-do people, they're usually the threes and the eights in the crowd. But it's, it's not always just like that kind of personality driven. All of us have the potential to be can-do people. And uh, Nehemiah wasn't a person who waited for others to, to take action. He took a lot of initiative. He showed courage and godly discernment and decisive action. Last week we talked about how doers get more done by focusing on the next right thing like Nehemiah did, leading by example, hugely, hugely underlooked and important. Nehemiah also brought his struggles before God in real time, and that kind of model of prayer is something that all of us in times like this can um, benefit from. And so Nehemiah really sets the bar high for who God's can-do people really are. And as we turn our attention towards the account of Nehemiah once again this morning, I'm reminded that when you decide to follow Christ, when you embrace God's mission in your life, you are going to face adversity. And adversity comes in different flavors, different sizes and shapes. There's the general kind that um, kind of all of us face just by the nature of being human. It's like the human condition, right? Yeah, you're going to face some trials. You're going to face some adversity, some challenges. And then there's the kind of adversity that we specifically face because we're God's people. We're trying to live God's way. We're trying to follow Christ's example. And that's going to bring its own set of challenges and opposition, especially if you've received any sort of special calling or special mission in your life to pursue. And so you and I can overcome that kind of adversity with God's help, and Nehemiah shows us how. So as we begin this morning, I want to read our scripture that comes to us from Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 11 through 18. I'm going to ask all of you to stand for the reading of God's word. And we'll put this up on the screen so you can read along while I read aloud. Here we go. I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts, a.k.a. horses, with me except the one I was riding on. Verse 13, By night I went through the valley gate towards the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved on towards the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mounts to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I'd gone or what I was doing, because as yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or to the priests or the nobles or officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. 
I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. This is the reading of the Lord's word. Thanks be to God. You can have a seat. Well, the first kind of adversity that Nehemiah encounters is really related to um, kind of the scale of the task or the challenge that he faced. You know, this project is huge. It's, it's massive. It's overwhelming in its scope. And as Nehemiah prayerfully considers what God is asking or calling him to do, I wonder if he had any clue what he was really going to encounter. I mean, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, I mean, that sounds like, oh, that's kind of a big deal, but just how big? And there were obviously a lot of unknowns. And I wish I could have seen Nehemiah's face when he, he got a first glimpse of the city. I mean, what was, what was his reaction? I mean, was it shock and awe? Was it kind of like disbelief, trying to understand the size and scale of this? Maybe he was discouraged or nervous, apprehensive. Uh, who knows? For the person that comes across in the, uh, Nehemiah, he strikes me as a person, he might have just been determined. Like, okay, that's the challenge, let's get after it. But it raises the first takeaway for us this morning, and it's this. God empowers as you act and not before. Maybe I could say, God empowers as you act and not necessarily before. We always want to feel that empowerment of God launching us out of the the cannon to go get it done. But often, it happens as we start to follow the Lord. And uh, this is also known as to walk on water, you have to first step out of the boat, that principle. It's where faith actually begins. And... um, As a human being, uh, at least I can speak for myself, I would rather be much more certain of what God is asking or calling me to do. I don't like the whole step out in faith thing. And uh, I know that some of you are shaking your heads. It's like, no, nobody does. We want to be certain, but God calls us to a place of faith. So as you think about it, as God's invitation to us to step out in faith in our own life, what's the big uncertain, potentially overwhelming thing that God has called you to do. Maybe it's to rebuild a a very strained or broken marriage that still has a chance. Maybe it's to grow as an intentional parent. Maybe it's to finish school and and move on afterwards to, to, to some other thing that God is calling you to do. It could be that God's calling you to stretch, much like he did Nehemiah. So for you, What would it look like to step out in faith? Think about that for a moment. You know, um, this kind of raises the the specific topic of what's your purpose, what's what's your mission, what's your calling. And there are issues that apply to all followers of Christ just because they matter to God. You know, you're going to be... You're going to love the relationships, the people who he's put in your life, your, your spouse, your parents, your, your family. Then, then you, could, you could throw lots of things into that bucket. You know, it's to care for the poor. Maybe it's to grow in our relationship with God. I mean, these are things that all followers of Christ are called to do. They're given to us as a purpose, as a mission. But then there's tasks that, are, that specific people may be called to do by God. And these might alter the path of your career, or your family, or your future in some 
slight way or, or a significant way. And these are the big decisions that God guides us through from time to time. And these are the ones that we always, you know, we're always praying, oh, please, God, no, right? Please, God, no. Don't, don't make me. Don't make me do this. What was that thought? What was this? It always requires discernment. It's a process. And on this level, God's invitation to step out in faith, while it might be kind of scary, always fits us. Like who he's made us to be, our skills, our gifts, our experiences, it always fits us, even though at first blush it might, it might not seem that way. And we see this in God's invitation to Nehemiah. Nehemiah's story isn't one of like being a goat herder to being the governor of Judah like the next day. And I know you go, yeah, but what about David? Well, there was also a process that God raised David through uh, you know, for, the, for that time in his life so that he was ready to be king. Whereas Nehemiah, like from, uh, from one point to six months later, he's on the road to Jerusalem, the governor of Judah. And that's because Nehemiah was already a highly capable, experienced administrator. Um, he had experience dealing with powerful, influential people. And God would call upon all of that experience in running, uh, that he'd had in being a cupbearer, which basically is running the king of Persia's court. He would use all that experience in the challenging place that Jerusalem was. So this mission God has given or wants to give you is going to fit you. It's going to fit you. It's going to utilize your strengths, your experiences, who he's made you to be. And I often think, well, maybe not often think, I thought this week about this scenario about, well, what about Peter? God asking him to step out of the boat in faith and walk on water. And when Jesus did that, was that Peter's first time on a boat? No. He's a fisherman. He also knew how to swim. But here's what Peter learned. With Jesus, I can do more. We have limits. Um, some of them are good, like they keep us safe. But sometimes safety isn't necessarily just a physical thing. It's an emotional thing for us. And we don't like to step out of our comfort zone. But with Jesus and his invitation in our life, we can do more. Is God calling you to more? And it takes confidence, not only in your own skills and experiences, but in God. And God confidence is something that can be cultivated. In Nehemiah, we saw him do this. He had a very healthy prayer life. Uh, before he left for Jerusalem, he had an intentional time of prayer and fasting, like a discernment to see, like, is this the Lord's voice? Is this the Lord's hand guiding me towards this task? He took a few baby steps, like in talking to the king of Persia. And by the time he arrives in Jerusalem, inspecting these walls by night, he knows without a doubt that God has called him to this task, that God is with him. That's God confidence that can be cultivated in each one of our lives. Um, and there was a good thing that Nehemiah did that because Jerusalem was a total mess. You know, he secretly kind of goes out by night inspecting these walls. And there's lots of archaeological evidence in Jerusalem today that corroborates like, that this happened. 
And the reason they know is because they find the pottery that's like buried in these different archaeological digs and they can date that uh, to this specific time period. And so uh, Nehemiah goes out by night because he's not exactly sure what to expect, but he has to convince his fellow country people to take this project on with him because they're going to be doing the work. He, didn't bring, he, brought, he brought security with him, but he didn't bring an army of worky, or workers with him to do this task. These people are going to have to do it. And he also faced organized, powerful resistance. I read for you in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 19. It says, But when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So this is the opposition that he faces, these these three officials with really great names. And um, the, you know, as opposition often begins in life, it begins with an insult. And these three figures, Sambalet, Tobiah, Geshem, they all hail from nearby. Two of them are likely governors of adjacent provinces. So these are very powerful people, not to be trifled with. And they don't want Nehemiah to succeed. They kind of like the plight of the Jewish people and, and the weakness and dependence that they're in right now. They do not want that wall rebuilt. And really, there's nothing that they can do about this because Nehemiah is acting on behalf of the king. The same could be said about our own lives, the things that God calls us to. We follow King Jesus. And whenever you act on behalf of the king, some people are going to ridicule you. They're going to mock and insult you. Um, there's spiritual forces alive and well in our world that are in opposition to God. And so when you line up on his side and you take a stand or you start, start um, doing his work, you're going to have opposition. And uh, for Nehemiah, there were, there were attempts to discourage and distract him. There were rumors that were spread to discredit him. I mean, all of these things, it, it's like a playbook that each one of us has probably experienced in our own life. And this happens to Nehemiah. Uh, they even threaten legal action against him at one point. Nehemiah doesn't back down. Next, they try intimidation. They threaten to use force against the builders. And if you caught it in the children's message there, it, it's, it's actually pretty brilliant. They, they spread this rumor like, you're not going to know which direction you know, this is going to come from. We're just going to be there on every side and we're going to kill you. And you kind of laugh. You're like, yeah, okay, right. But they take it seriously, they arm themselves, they, they start watches and guard duty. And uh, at one point, they send death threats to Nehemiah. They even te- attempt to assassinate him. You'd think he would just give up, realize he's over his head and bail out, but he never backs down. He stays focused on what needs to get done. And so the people rebuild the wall in like record time. It takes them 52 days. This is kind of miraculous, but then God was with them. So out of all of this, we can learn a lot from Nehemiah. We can learn a lot that will help us in carrying out our God-given mission in overcoming adversity in our life. 
One of the first things that we learn is to know what you're doing and to know who you're doing it for. Just as Nehemiah was serving his king, we serve King Jesus, whose strength is mighty, whose resources are vast, and whether your God-given mission is feeding the hungry 10,000 miles from here or making sack lunches for your kids before you go to school, God has called us all to his purposes, to his mission, to, 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 to act in such a way that brings him glory. It can be done with his strength. I can do hard things. You can do hard things. We can do all things through God who gives us strength. And God will empower us with whatever we need, with encouragement, with wisdom, with skills, with resources, with support, with perseverance, maybe someone coming alongside of us in a tough time. You can do it. We can do it. Just stay on point with the Lord. Next thing that we learned from Nehemiah is to stay focused on what needs to be done. This was kind of the main point of the children's lesson, to stay focused on what needs to be done. And the key word there is need. And that kind of highlights the, you know, what needs to be done. What are your priorities? And Nehemiah wasn't swayed by drama. You know, whatever challenge arose, he was just kind of unflappable. He stayed focused on his priorities. And it showed most no notably when he fielded insults. You know, rather than get sucked into a war of words, in fact, I think one of the phrases was, hey, even a tiny fox, if it climbed on your wall, it would knock it down. And I, I just want to see, like, a biblical comeback right there. You know, I, I don't know what that would be, but it's like, yeah, go ahead and try. I don't know. Um, but instead of, like, getting sucked into that, he just says very directly, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you got no share in Jerusalem, any claim or historic right to it. I mean, there's, there's no, it's, it's very direct. There's no spin. There's no comeback. Um, it's like Nehemiah just refusing to play their little game. So staying focused in a situation like this would be difficult with so many distractions. But Nehemiah's there to build a wall, Period. Stay focused on what needs to get done. The next thing, each week we've talked about this. It's the power of prayer. And again, it's on display this morning with Nehemiah. Um, when we face trials, when we face challenges, when we face adversity, prayer is likely our most powerful weapon. It sounds like the Sunday school answer. Because it is. Not all Sunday school answers are bad answers or simple answers or simplistic answers. The power of prayer is so important. Nehemiah consistently is so quick to acknowledge God, that God's the one who's in control. God's the one who will get the work done. And uh, at one point, these three guys show up with a bunch of powerful and influential people from the province, and they say some nasty things about the Jewish people and about Nehemiah himself. And you can kind of read between the lines that this probably really bothered Nehemiah. And yet he still has such discipline and self-control. Like, instead of lashing out, because what would be the point, 
He responds in prayer. And when you read the account, I guess you, could, you, you might assume that he says this out loud to them. I don't think he did. This is an aside. And he says this. This is 4, verse 4. Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. Now, at first glance, this sounds a little harsh. Like, wow, give them over as plunder? Like, well, that's kind of a, it's kind of a mean, nasty prayer. But that's what Nehemiah feels. And what better place to lay out the rawness of our emotion than before the Lord? If God can't be trusted with the crazy thoughts or the anger that we're... Who can be trusted? God knows they're there. You can express those in the privateness of prayer. And expressing ourselves in prayer is, is a much better outlet than allowing those things to fester inside of us and then acting out on them. There is real power in prayer. Well, as followers of Jesus, we're going to face real trials, real challenges, real adversity. In fact, suffering is normal. Jesus says to expect it just because we're associated with him. And especially when we speak out on Jesus' behalf, especially when we try and do the right thing, stand up against injustice, when we just work to go against the sinful patterns of our world, we're going to face adversity. And the Apostle Peter has much to say about this, to, even to Christians in the first century. He says in 1 Peter 4.14, he says, If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. When's the last time that you were insulted and you thought, I'm blessed? You are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Jesus never promised us a life of ease. In fact, he said we should expect trouble. He never promised an easy life, but he did promise something, that he's with us. That he's with us. And if Jesus is with us, then come what may. God is with us. He's with you. He's with me. He walks beside us each and every day, no matter how difficult the challenges or adversity that we might face or what he's called us to do in his life or in this life, in our life. He's with us. And we must remember that God empowers us as we act, that he stands with us when we choose to embrace him and his mission in our life. Amen? Please join me in prayer. Lord, we come before you this morning, and um, you know, I have to feel like uh, all of us have faced a lot of adversity in the last you know, year and a half, two years. And that's just life in so many ways. 
But then there's the adversity that comes because we're your followers. And God, I, I pray that you, specifically, that you'd give us courage. Um, sometimes it's, it's not even clear, like, how or what we're supposed to stand up for. So help us. Give us your Holy Spirit discernment to, to take that, those question marks out of us, to give us your conviction, your leading, Lord. And for those that have been called to something special and specific that you are calling them towards, Lord, whatever that may be, uh, help, help us to step out in prayer, to know that you empower as we step out in that act of faith, Lord, to know that you are with us, and uh, for all the distractions and things that come up on an everyday basis, help us to stay focused on what needs to be done. Help us to know what we're doing, who we're doing it for, Lord. Help us to pray powerfully, Lord, in your name. And we ask this, and all of God's people said, amen.